book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 9 to 11. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to your feet will wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. This is the word of our God. Well, mission, it's a word we hear a lot about, especially during the month of May. And I fear that this word has become so familiar that we somehow disconnect, switch off, or we place it in the that's for others basket. Especially when we take time to consider cross-cultural mission, we all too easily make assumptions that this is about others, not about us. I want to challenge that notion. I want to ask you to lean in on what the Lord might be saying to you and to us this morning. The first thing that I want to establish is that it's not our mission. It's God's. It's always been God's mission that we're on about. Henry Blackaby, well-known Christian author of many books, including Experiencing God, writes, instead of carrying out his mission on his own, God chooses to accomplish his mission in a very personal way. He chooses to involve his people with him, working through them to accomplish his purposes. In the context of Luke 10, which we are looking at, Jesus' followers didn't come up with the mission. Jesus did. He gave them straightforward instructions. They were to journey with a passion to see the gift of Jesus, his peace and his kingdom embraced by all people. They were to believe that God's greatest gift was a life-transforming relationship with Jesus. And they were to take this message to people who were unaware that Jesus could change their life for good. We see in verses 9 to 11 that this is a holistic mission, sharing the good news both through proclamation and declaration and demonstration, sorry. Proclaiming that the kingdom of God is near, in and through the person of Jesus is a message that all people need to both hear and see. For those in the first century, this meant that there was another king, Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Caesar, in all his power and might, was not the king. To embrace this message and to live accordingly was subversive. To follow King Jesus would look different than to follow King Caesar. For us in our time, we need to be reminded that Jesus is our king and that we are a part of his kingdom. We are to walk to the beat of another drum. Our lives are not to look the same as those who follow the prevailing culture. We are to live and behave as kingdom people. Being kingdom-minded, kingdom-orientated, kingdom-shaped 
people not only drastically alters the way we go about our lives, but it equally propels us to tell others about this alternate kingdom and that Jesus is the king of that kingdom and that his kingship is good for humanity. Luke hints at this in chapter 4, earlier in his gospel, verses 18 to 19, when he records Jesus quoting from the book of Isaiah in the temple. And these words that Jesus then went on to say had found fulfillment in him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. In Luke 10, the disciples were told to demonstrate the kingdom of God by healing the sick and proclaiming the kingdom of God. Healings were to be a snapshot of the new creation that Jesus brought as human beings were being made new. Tom Wright in Simply Christian, writes the following about Jesus' healings. Jesus did not see his healings simply as a kind of pre-modern travelling hospital. He wasn't just healing the sick for the sake of it, important though their healing itself was. Nor was it just a way of attracting people to listen to his message. Rather, it was a dramatic sight of the message itself. God the world's creator, was at work through him to do what he had promised, to open blind eyes and deaf ears, to rescue people, to turn everything the right way up. We too are called to live in the reality of the kingdom of God. We are to be people who bring the kingdom of God to bear in the lives of those around us. As we see from Luke 10, this involves both demonstration and proclamation. Opportunities for this are all around us if we have eyes to see and hearts that are open to share. If we really believe that God's greatest gift is a life-changing relationship with Jesus, then our mandate is to share this good news with others. Therefore, like the 72, this involves us going out and making connections with people who are not yet aware of this. I challenge each one of us this morning to consider how actively we are moving in circles where Jesus is not yet known. We can't simply wait for people to come to us, to come to our church our worship services, our ministries, our programs. As important as worship services and ministries and programs can be, there are simply now so many in the Australian landscape that are way beyond the programmatic reach of any church. I was alarmed to learn recently that according to McCrindle Research, only 8% of the Australian population attends church on any given Sunday. And of that 8%, average attendance is now considered once a month. We can no longer think that people are going to come to us. (laughs) 
Clearly they are not. We have to have the mindset of a missionary and go to them. Let's spend a few moments talking about the kingdom of God. What does it mean to say the kingdom of God is near? A helpful way of understanding God's kingdom is God's way of doing things. In and through the person of Jesus, God's way of doing things was at hand. Jesus had been demonstrating and proclaiming the kingdom and now he was empowering his followers to go and do the same. We see from this passage one clear example of how God does things is he makes people whole. He heals them physically, mentally, spiritually and socially. The subject Jesus spoke more than any other subject was the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, my friends, is good news. Because in God's kingdom, people are made whole. But Jesus not only spoke about God's kingdom, he demonstrated what the kingdom looked like. He spoke hope into seemingly hopeless situations. He ministered justice by defending the poor, oppressed, voiceless, marginalised and widowed. He exercised genuine empathy and compassion. He fed hungry people. He promoted shalom, beauty, joy. He extended grace, chance beyond chance. He reconciled people to the Father by forgiving their sins. As Jesus went about his daily life, he brought the kingdom to bear on all the various situations he found himself in. And then he sends his disciples out, his followers out, if you will, to do exactly the same. Where does that leave us? Do you see yourself as someone who has been sent by God to bring the kingdom to bear on your sphere, on your circle of influence? How are we going to bring the kingdom to others? A good place to start is to look with intentionality at all the various community groups that are quite naturally occurring around us. Some of us may already be involved in them. Maybe for some of us it will mean getting involved in some of them. Whether it's our workplace or sporting clubs, book clubs, movie groups, community play groups, mums groups, professional groups, or whatever we are currently part of, we need to see them as places where we can genuinely serve God, not just as distractions from the real business of what happens here on a Sunday. To take it a step further, we can be intentional about how we approach this activity. For example, for, for me, this means that when I'm running with the trotters, I'm to see it as a harvest field, that I'm there cultivating and building relationships with people, believing that God is going to open up opportunities for me to share my faith and talk about what the kingdom of God looks like. 
For Bronnie and I, it means that making meals for our neighbours and fostering relationship with them is really important. What does it mean for you? As I've been prayerfully seeking God for people to share the gospel with, I've found it so encouraging to remember that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. There are plenty of people who are warm towards Jesus. They probably don't even know it, but they are. I'm reading through Acts at the moment, and I read this on Friday morning, and it really stirred me up. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. I thought, wow, it really challenged me to think. Who am I to decide whether people are going to respond to the life-changing message of Jesus or not? What gives me the right to determine whether I should share my faith with someone based on my thoughts or feelings that they're not going to respond warmly? The harvest is plentiful. I have to believe that there are lots of people who are at least open to hearing about Jesus and open to hearing about the kingdom of God. Sure, there's going to be people that won't respond. But there are probably several who will, who we may be discounting or haven't yet cultivated relationship with. Although the message of Jesus is one of salvation and restoration, Jesus acknowledges in today's reading that there will be people who will not welcome the good news. The reality is that some will not receive the gospel or its messengers. The 72 are only responsible to share the message, to demonstrate the message. How people respond to that is out of their control. However, in choosing to reject Jesus, it is clear that they are rejecting all that he has to offer in salvation and restoration. Verse 12 goes on to say, it will be hard for them, more bearable for Sodom on the day for that town. These are sobering thoughts. We must trust that God is sovereign and that his judgment is just and that ultimately God is the judge. We are not. We are not called to judge people. That is God's role and his alone. By telling us that some will will welcome the message, and some will reject it. Jesus creates realistic expectations. Message-bearing will carry both with it deep joys and also profound sadness. But the mission of God is worth persevering in. With these words, Jesus gives encouragement to keep going. Don't be discouraged by people who don't accept the message. We must expect there will be moments where we will feel like we failed. Though heavy and distressing, there is a call to persevere in the mission of God that we are called to. We are to brush off the things that weigh us down and we continue to travel lightly as we rely on God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the kingdom of heaven is near. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for the kingdom of God. We thank you that in your economy, in your kingdom, broken lives are are made whole. Relationships are reconciled. There is no poverty. There is no hunger. There is no famine. There is beauty and joy and goodness. Your kingdom, Lord, is a kingdom that every human soul yearns for, whether they know it or not. We're all searching for fulfillment and meaning. And Lord, I just want to thank you for those of us who have experienced the wonderful, life-transforming message of your kingdom through Jesus, your Son. I just pray that you would help mobilize us, mobilize me, not to become complacent and apathetic to what it means to be a follower, but that our lives and our words, hand in hand, would clearly demonstrate your kingdom, at least in aspirational ways, that people might get a glimpse of that, that they might get a glimpse of the way we relate to each other, the way we love each other, the way we share with one another, the way we generously give of ourselves and our time, the way we work hard at our relationships, and that people will be drawn to that and they'll be drawn to you. Lord, just as the 72 were sent out, unaware of how people would respond and facing the reality that some would respond uh, positively and some would respond negatively, I just pray that you would by your Holy Spirit, empower us to go regardless of how we think people might respond or indeed how people do respond and be faithful followers and faithful disciples to the task of which you have called us. We love you, Lord, and again we thank you that this is your mission, it's not ours. Thank you that you are so more heavily invested in it than we are. But Lord, I just pray that you might help us to have the courage to partner with you and your spirit in all that you're doing in the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.